Hello, 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 hello. Happy 2024. Welcome to, is this our first episode it's of Title Talk? It's our first Title Talk of 2024. Wow. How are you doing, Dina? Good. How are you? Great to see you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy New Year, Rahima. Happy New Year. Lots of love. So you have to hold them up. Oh. <laughs> you have to hold them Happy New Year. And so, guys, we are here live at Dina's mom's house she has cooked us a meal a lebanese delicious meal but we're here because we're gonna make vision boards today now um i've had a vision board actually i'm gonna get a little gross here so guys um uh -oh. don't, don't 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 i have had a vision board in front of my toilet <laughs> since it april makes sense, right because that's the one place where you have to sit and look yeah i stare right at it um since april of 2019 and it's and it's actually um, it's it's pretty crazy because if you if you see it, I'll actually I can't I wish I could if I remembered I would have. Anyhow, um, if you if you look at the vision board, almost everything on there is happening. Wow. The house it looks uncannily like my home. The car came and went. I got better. Um, upgrades. Upgrades. Uh, so much. So much happened. We went to Amsterdam. Um, I uh, I found uh, so many so many things just like synchronistically took place, and I started researching the science on vision boards and why they are. It's not only that you're attracting things to you to you, which you are. If you're thinking about things, you're attracting those things, and that's a, that's a real thing. But subconsciously, when we program our minds to see specific images. Our brain looks for ways to connect the dots to create or find those images and bring them into your experience. It's just how it works. Uh, I'm going to give you the example of like corporate America. So you can drive by uh, or watch TV and see a commercial for Jersey Mike's. You might see a billboard for Jersey Mike's. You might hear a thing that or two about, about it, but it's not really in your conscious mind. And then all of a sudden, it's lunchtime one day, and you decide, hey, I'm hungry. I think I want Jersey Mike's. And there you are. You're at, hello, you're at Jersey Mike's. And it's just one of those things. So corporate America understands how to subconsciously program the human mind. And why would we not want to take that and bring it to ourselves, right? Why let, why let other things, other people, other businesses program what's happening to you? what you're bringing into your experience rather than you program for yourself, what experiences and what things you want to bring into your life. And so for me, because my vision board is now so outdated and has pretty much been checked off, there's a few things on there, like a certain cash balance that I like in my, I want to have in my bank that have not hit yet. So I'm going to carry those over or add gonna, more. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, no, I'm going to carry it over. Okay. I want to hit, I need to hit it. So I'm going to carry that. I'm going to, when I get home, I'm going to take this home with me today. I'm going to take that little piece off and I'm going to apply that here because it hasn't happened yet. I, everything else did though. So there's only one thing that has not yet materialized on the board. So for me, I'm more than a believer. I am, uh, I, I'm, I, I live it. Yeah. It's the reality. So uh, I, I implore anybody who's watching right now who thinks, oh my God, this is just so lame to suspend disbelief for a moment. Give yourself an opportunity to dream a bit and see what you can achieve by programming your mind. 
one last thing before I turn it over to everybody else to talk. If you have you ever wondered, have you ever gotten into your car and driven somewhere and you got to that destination and you're like, how the hell did I get here? <laughs> like automatically, you're yeah. just programmed. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. How often does that happen to you? Um, like daily. Okay. Every day, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, science research has shown that 95% of what happens in your day is autopilot, is autopilot yeah. program, yeah. unconscious. Unconscious program, mm -hmm. unconscious 95%? program, 95% of what wow. is going on in your day is and unconscious. The trouble program. is, is that your thoughts yes. become that way too. Then your thoughts become unconscious. Program. Yes. So you're not even thinking about, you're just, you're just reliving the same day over and over again. It's a really bad version of Groundhog Day. Just over and over. And I mean, never like that movie. <laughs> I, well, it's because when you watch it, you're like, "This is terrible." Like, but this is terrible. But this is this is really a reality for a lot of people. Like many people live in Groundhog Day. Uh, I have to say that my life changes all the time. Things are constantly, you know, coming in and out of my life, and um, not all of that's comfortable, right? Not not all change is comfortable, but all change will grow you. So mm -hmm. you've got to embrace it. You've got to look for the opportunities. And I've got some big. Big, 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 big visions for what I'm looking for over the next, call it five years. Because it took five years yeah. to, to pretty much materialize all of what I had experienced. So I'm going to give myself another five. So guys, don't don't rip your vision boards up in a year. Be like, you didn't have like, it So I'm like, you did this, what? did this, jump. Give yourself some time, guys. Jamil and Gina and Rima, you yeah. jump. <gasps> this is dumb. It's not. Just give yourself a chance and put this document in a place that you will look every day, not just like bleedingly, but like spend some time looking at it, which is why I put it in my restroom. Yeah, well, because and, everybody needs to pee. Yeah, and not just look at it because you want to physically see it, but it'll give you the opportunity to feel um, prepared for when those things materialize in your life, right? So I think that's the thing I really like about vision boards is you can kind of get out of your head and get into your heart and get into um, moving yourself mentally into feeling what it's going to feel like to um, have all those things materialize for you. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. Where do you plan to put yours? I haven't decided yet because I've never done a big one. I asked you some more. Mine are normally small. Okay. And full and, of images. And full of images. Okay. Very cluttered. Yeah. Very cluttered. So difficult. To, <laughs> to, I, I, I really, I think I put too many on my last one, to be honest. I'm, I'm looking at five core images that I'm going to be focusing on. Um, and I think less is more because, you know, there's certain things that I want. Like, for instance, I, in, within five years, I no longer want to fly commercial. I, I don't want to fly. Commercial. Well, then you need a jet. I on, need a jet on within, your board. In five years, I need a jet. So yeah. a jet is going on my board. And, I love that. And I'm gonna and, and I will within five years find a way to have that. Well, maybe we'll do title talk from the jet, jet because you'll have a jet. Yeah. Final old, so final old games. So I'll just say, hey, I need the jet. Yes. Bring the jet. Yes. Yes. Where's yes. the jet? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. The family jet. It's a family jet. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Where are you going to put yours, Rima? Where am I going to put my vision board? Yeah. Oh, in my bathroom. Okay, same place. Same place. I have to move in my bathroom right now. Okay. <laughs> when did you make your last one? Uh, 2022. Okay. 2022. Uh, well, how, how, has, how has it shaped out for you? Uh, better than I thought it was going to shape up. Okay, so you're a little modest. But the thing was, is that it shaped out 
unexpectedly in hmm. the sense that I had wanted a certain amount of property under my belt. Okay. And I got and I got all the property that I wanted, but not in the normal ways. I got them because I couldn't sell them. So they came oh. to me. They, they materialized for me. They came in how, the way. <laughs> how is not how is not the question? And we don't care about how. Yeah. It's yeah. never how. It's never how. It's, it's never how. It's, yeah. It's, it's, and it's typically who and, mm -hmm. and 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 what brings it there, right? So um, if you got you got what you wanted, you got what you asked for. I, so don't <laughs> complain. I'm not complaining. I was. It occurred to me that I said, "Man, I wanted." that many houses in my portfolio as rentals and and I got them. I didn't expect them to come this way, but I got them. There you hmm. go. It all worked out. Yeah. Yeah. So how many of you guys out there, we would love to see in the comments, have a vision board that you've done for 2024 or are going to do one now because we are inspiring you to create one. Let's see in the chat. Give us some, give us some of your, um, what are you, what are you going to focus on, Dina? What are you focusing on? In your I'm doing like three different categories in mine. Okay. So different, you know, kind of one is going to be like the play version, like places I want to visit, um, people I want to, you know, create fun memories and experiences with. Um, the other is going to just be really focused on like just the balance of like health and business. Um, and then the other is just going to be just like a lot of positive um Positivity, you know. I think my 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 world would not be the same if I didn't fill it with positivity. So that's going to continue. Keep it up. Keep it yeah. up. Yeah, uh, I love that. I think that's great. Um, we do have some special guests that are going to come on with us do. today too. We do, and so guys, this is Title Talk, so we are going to get into a little bit of the market and what's going on. I, I um, before we start getting into the arts and crafts, I want <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about what I, I'm. Uh, I've been talking to a lot of a lot of really smart people. Because I, I don't consider myself uh, an incredibly intelligent person, but I am inquisitive and I and I find incredibly intelligent people and I ask good questions so that I can make good predictions and figure out what I'm what I'm going to be walking into into 2024. So here are some of the things that we are um, noticing. So the lock in effect, which was what we saw prop up the market in all of 2023, and that was the folks who have a 2%, 3%, 4% mortgage, and that is 70, 64 to 70% of all of U.S. homes. 64 to 70% of all U.S. homes That's crazy. have a 2 3 or 4% mortgage on them because either everybody bought or refinanced when the rates were low. Yep. So 64 to 70% of that, of, that, of that inventory never made it onto the MLS when people had uh, had a reason to sell. And that's what propped up values in 2023. It's the reason why we didn't have a crash. When economists were calling for a, a market crash, it didn't happen. Why? There was no inventory to crash the market. Right. So we still had people making offers, although the market slowed down. We definitely had a small dips in value. We did not have a crash. Right. And a we crash. Had, we had a correction. We had a, a, a slight correction. Adjustment, yeah. An adjustment, and it was and it was needed because pricing just went way overboard. Anyhow, uh, you know, unaffordability was was definitely a, a, an issue, and it gets, continues to be an issue. These are the things that I'm looking at right now: the ten-year Treasury yield, which is what's 
uh, actually tied to mortgage rates. It's not the Fed fund rate, guys. I, I, I want to make sure that we all understand the difference between the Fed fund rate and the 10-year yield and the 10-year treasury bond yield. The, the treasury bond yield is what is tied to mortgage rates. So when the Fed announced that they're planning a soft landing, meaning a minimum of three decreases in rates in the mm -hmm. Fed fund rate, the bond yield is what dropped mortgage rates immediately. The Fed fund rate did not drop, right? But we started seeing a decrease in mortgage right. rates, and there was almost already point. almost om almost identically in right. time. And so that tells us that the market is responding positively to this, right? So now the Fed has now promised us a minimum of three drops okay. in 2024. So there's a couple of things that I think we need to pay attention to. The first one is months of inventory. Okay. Right now, we are sitting out between two and a half to three months of inventory in Phoenix, Arizona. Very low. That is low. That is, that is when you have that low in inventory, that's a seller's market. Is it, is it normal? Is a balanced market six months? That's a balanced market. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then over six months, that's a seller's, that's a, a buyer's, that's a buyer's market, market sure. right? So we are far beyond a buyer's market. Now, I think the two most important data points to look at are going to be months of inventory and days on market. Here's why. The only risk that I see in the market are the four percenters. Because the okay. four percenters, when the rates get to five and a half, and five, which they will likely do, the delta between four to five, four it's to not, five and a half, yeah. it's not enough to stay it's put. Not enough to it's, it's not that motivating. It's not that motivating, right? It's not. But even two to five, two to five is still too much. So those people are going to keep those homes. They're going to turn them into rentals, long-term rentals, short-term rentals, whatever they do, they're keeping those properties. But the others, the, those four percent, the four percenters, that's the risk, right? And so it is... It, it's going to be interesting to see the speed at which they come onto the market. Nothing ever happens all at once. So those are people who bought their house in 2019. Right. That's around when we were at 4%. Right. 2019. Yeah. Or, they like or their credit or, or you know, yeah. a credit got them to four and they didn't have a good enough credit score to get to it too when they were offering like, you know, 1% rates. Mm -hmm. So whatever that is, we have to look at days on market because that's going to tell us what demand is looking like. And months of inventory. And as long as you're watching those two data points, I think you can predict where the market will go in 24. Right now, based on the volume that we've seen and the uptick that we've seen at Keegley, not only in our corporate stores, but in the franchises, there's been a roughly 25% uptick in volume. And that 25% uptick in volume is telling us that investors are predicting that they need to have inventory on the market within the next 90, 90 days to four months. Yeah, I, for me, I, my investors are saying, hey, can you, can you find us a house right now? Because we want to be on the market. Sorry, we want to be on the market for March. So find us something right now so we can be on the market for March because we like to get things in and out in six weeks, right? So find it now. I want to be in the market in March. That's it. What are you seeing in title? I mean, we've seen an uptick in appointments. I mean, every conversation I'm having with people, they are in there in living rooms more than they were expecting. I a lot of times I feel like people don't really go back to work till after the Phoenix Open, <laughs> but this year they've already been back to work and uh, appointments are up. Um, definitely, we've had a lot of more open escrows. I've had um, several of our groups predicting double and triple the volume that they had in November and December. So, are you guys preparing? Hiring more escrow officers, or, is, are you, or do you wait for that? Is there a lag? Do you do you wait for 
things to become busier before you start staffing for it? Or do you, uh, is there, is there, um, uh, is there, is there, uh, 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 something there? You know, we have a special guest here that I would love to well, let's have, have her out answer here. that question. Um, let me go see if I can grab her. Okay. Uh, while she's doing that guys, what well, I can't really see the screen here, Bobby, because my eyes are old. Um, how many people have vision boards out there? Oh, cool. Your eyes are old. Is that what you said? Yeah. I have old eyes. Sorry, guys. I've heard of old soul. I haven't heard of old eyes. Yeah. I mean, I used to be able to see well. Amazing. So people have vision boards. What, how have you guys' experiences been with those boards, guys? If your vision boards manifested, have you guys um, been disappointed? Are you still waiting for things to happen? Uh, tell me tell me more about what that has looked like for you guys. Tim has this on his. Tim Turner says, I got a house, two vehicles, a pile of cash, and an image of a very well-built me. Tim? Amazing. Very good. Uh, I actually had a photo of like a not a fit person, but like a uh, like a muscle arm. And and even hi. Nice to see you. Can you introduce yourself to our audience? Please? Diane. Who are you, Diane? I work for Fidelity. What do you do? I work with Dina. What do you do? I run the operation. So she's the boss. <laughs> Apparently she's the boss. So, um, well, welcome, boss. I, I told you guys we were gonna have some special guests we've got, today. I, 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 we are doing, but you're 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 doing, you're doing a vision too. board too. Um, but I got some questions for you. Oh, okay. Big questions for you. So, uh, and I'm we're gonna have to do a little bit of this because cool. I'm gonna do the whole Mario Lopez thing. Okay. Yeah, it's for the best. Okay, so um, I was wondering, you're you you're you must be predicting an uptick in volume. Correct. And and. For the year, yes. Okay. And and what what percentage do you think is going to happen? I think first quarter is going to be flat, and then second, third, and fourth is going to increase, and we're going to be up on the residential side five percent year over year. Five percent. You're you're calling a five percent increase in in volume year over year. Mm -hmm. Year over year. Okay, so that's a very conservative outlook. Is that purposeful? Yes. <laughs> okay. okay. It's because you don't want to, you don't want to overstaff. You want to make sure that you guys are, are staying, you know, really grounded with your expectations of what's coming. How, how hard was 2023's just, you know, um, with volume decreasing the way it was, how, how, how did that, how did that affect title? Well, it affected us big time, obviously. And I, again, I think with the real estate community in a whole, um, you know, we had to be very strategic in staffing. And, um, but I think times like this, it's, there's opportunities always because it makes you more efficient. And it, it was actually what spawned this uh, podcast because uh, I, not that, uh, fidelity title didn't always have a great relationship with their investors, but I think fidelity really understood early on, Hey, our investor business is important. And we really want to make sure that we understand the types of business that they're doing, what those strategies are, how we can support them, how we can uh, help increase their business, how we can uh, understand the nuance of that business so that we can go out there and, and, and look for more. Did focusing on the investor market make a big difference? Absolutely. 
hundred percent. How could you quantify it? Oh my gosh, Dina, can you help me quantify it? I'm yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, just compared to just our local competitors, I mean, it's definitely been um, something that has been a focus, and it's it shows in the volume and it shows in the relationships and the strength. Well, and I think we did as well as we did in, in 23 because of our investor, investor mix. We were very intentional on building that. Mm-hmm. And I remember um, actually we coming to the conference in, yeah. in, in, in Vegas where we, I, I gave a presentation to uh, a lot of your sales staff yes. about how to go after yes. the investor business. Yes. And that was early. Was I mean, early. The, market, the market was crazy still then. Yes. And that was Diane's idea. You had, you, you had, you had, you, you really like saw ahead of the time. You were like, uh, guys, I, I, I think we're going to need to make some pivots here. And, uh, and, and it was, it was very, I, I almost wish that I had like seen the writing on the wall as quickly as you did. Cause we probably could have sold some things earlier if we had, <laughs> if I had been like, why is title so interested in, in. What is happening? But I, but but I'm, but I'm really grateful. I'm really grateful because it, uh, you know, our relationship at Keegley, the Keegleys across the country, and Fidelity Title has strengthened. We've got, we have so many people within the community, the investor community, who are reaching out, wanting to do business with Fidelity Title. But there's a few questions that we just want to kind of ask because it's, you know, you're new and the people don't know you, and everybody wants to know how does the boss become the boss. So I'm going to let Dina. Actually, ask you these questions because she probably wouldn't be able to, or feel comfortable asking you this if I didn't put her on the spot. Oh, she would. But, sure. but I'm gonna I'm gonna do it anyways. Okay. Uh, okay. So how about why don't you just tell us how you got started in the business? Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, I think most of us who are on the title side, we get into it by accident, right? I mean, well, we don't go to college thinking I want to grow up to be in title. No, no, <laughs> no. I, I mean, I went I went to down to U of A and. Started with a bank and learned pretty quickly that banking was pretty much in a, in a little box and that wasn't going to fit for me. So been in title for 38 years now and um, started on the escrow side and, and kind of worked my way up. I was 25 years in a branch, and um, which I love that I had that experience because I think that um, sitting in that seat helps me manage you know, the well, you know, you know yeah. what it's like yeah. to be in that position yeah. and you're not afraid to do any of Right. Those roles, whatever right. it takes. Right. And I, and I think for me personally, what I love about this business is even though it's very technical on the escrow side, it's still very sales oriented. And so it fit for me, my personality, I got to use both sides of my brain and loved every minute of it. Still well, do. And one of the things I love and appreciate about you is you don't just do things in a box. No. <laughs> oh, Is the metric, is there a metric that is, uh, yes. Well, not within every, op- oh, the, yeah, the, yeah, that's a really good question. Is there a metric that is tracked internally on traditional business versus investor business? Yes. Internally, we track every sector of business. Um, so yes, we, we do. And, and for us, we're again, pretty unique yes. in the title space. We, our mix is about 25% investor, which is very high as compared to most everyone else and we track every sector you know um like refinance um commercial builder all of it and uh, have a pulse on everything because if you can't measure it you know you can't grow it it. and and you have no you have no benchmark to see what you know where where you're going yep 
All right. Well, so guys, I love this because we are totally putting Diane on the spot. She just was not even, she was coming to do vision work. She did not know she was going to be live, um, live with us today. So (laughs) okay. So this is a fun one. Um, how about any, you've seen a lot in the business. What about any like ghost stories about like a file or a transaction that was just kind of kept you up at night? Now we we've even heard about, I mean, some people have talked about like buried bodies, things like that, but (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Rahima shared her ghost stories with us before too. I'm going to share the name of the investor who sent this to me because I believe that he is, he is going to be, um, um, dropping a YouTube video about it here very shortly. Um, but I will say this, okay. Um, there was a, there was an article recently, um, released in, in Colorado of, uh, an investor buys a new, uh, property or investor buys a resale property and finds human head in freezer. Oh, yeah. Oh, he didn't look at the house ahead of time. No, he, (laughs) No, so 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 what happened was he purchased this property not on purpose. He was funding. He was doing a transactional funding deal for one of his um, one of his community members, and in that transactional funding deal, he closed the A to B, and there was a weak lag between the A to B to the B to C. Wow! And in the B to C, the the buyer walked the property, and the buyer found the head. Oh. Wow. Found the head oh, in the freezer and was like, I'm done. I'm out. What and do you do, though? It's a crime scene now. Well, it is a crime scene. Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. So anything like that? No, I, I can't. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. <laughs> All right, yeah, let's go to the next. Oh, wow. Yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you one up that? I right? know. That's yeah, a. Right? How do you? You don't. And I know exactly how the phone can. I know it because they didn't turn on the power. In that lab, they forgot to turn on the power. So where's the rest of the body? Where the head has a scent. It's like it starts to rot. Oh, yeah. So they didn't turn on the power during that time. And then that's otherwise, why would you open the freezer? Right. Because there must have just been a decrepit smell. There was a decrepit smell. And so he was like, is there a dog, a cat, or something Something, in here? Something is in here rotting. And it was a head. Oh, terrible. Terrible. So yeah, um, uh, you know, not not the not the not the best. Not the best. Not the best. So okay, moving so, on. Yeah, more, we'll move on positive. to something a little bit simpler. So you know, most of our audience here is they are investors um, of all scales, right? So some people that are brand new in the business, they've never done their first deal. Some people that have that are very very seasoned. Any any advice that you have for um, investors when it comes to the relationship with the title company? You know, I, I, my motto in life has been, and I think it definitely works in the, for the investors as well is, you know, staying humble, staying coachable and staying curious. And I, I just really believe that. And I love that you guys have this community where Jamil, where you're kind of leading the charge and and mentoring and because that's so important, especially for younger folks. And I, I feel I have such a passion for the younger generations coming behind us that we can truly help make a difference and help them be better than we ever right. could be on our own. Right. So that to me, that's. Mm. It, it was, a, um, you know, an interesting, I had a podcast with Cody Sperber recently 
and he said something to me that was really, really impactful. He said, um, you know, and all the people that you have coached and, you know, Astro is over 5,000 members now getting close to six. Um, and you know that, and we're, we're like half the size, if not uh, less than half, even of what sub two is sub two is like, you know, over 10,000 people. Right. So just within this one, these, you know, two dudes, Pace and Jamil, right. We've got over, you know, let's, let's just call it 15,000 active enrolled community members. That's just, sub to astro then there's gator community and there's top tier transaction coordination and that's so we can add another call it another five thousand so let's just say collectively twenty thousand people that are a part of this collective community and that's just from the impact of two individuals who are who are showing and paving a path that is how to do business in a way that's meaningful and will actually and uh, do it the right way and do it the right way because i think you know, when I remember coming to Phoenix, I had to cold call title companies to find out who would want to do business with a wholesaler because y'all were not friendly to us in the beginning, right? It wasn't about, and it, it, not fidelity yeah. specifically, title companies the and the industry in general was just like, it was like <laughs> wholesaler, you know? So it was like, you really had to, and so you, you kind of had to know a guy who knew a lady who worked at the place who was comfortable with them. And not every, so if it was like you were worth security title or fidelity title or whatever title, it didn't mean that all of them would do wholesale deals or assignments or anything like that. No, it was specific branches. And in that specific branch, only specific escrow officers who felt comfortable with the model in order to do that type of business. Double escrows, assignments, um, you know, even cr the creative stuff was came a little bit later yeah. even. And so uh, we had a really hard time getting people to, to do business with us, right? It was just like, they're like, no, we don't, we don't do that. In fact, uh, there were so many escrow officers when I would call and I'd say, hey, I'm, I'm wanting to do a double escrow. Do you guys do those? Oh, that's illegal. And, you know, we now know that that's not the case. But it was a miseducation, right? The miseducation of, of, uh, of the industry. And it came from a bad reputation. It came from open files, no EMDs, no cancellations, ghosting agents, ghosting sellers, letting inspection days pass, having sellers coming in and sign, getting into U-Hauls, waiting to move out, and nothing <laughs> happening. And having that story happen over and over again to where you're thinking, why would we ever want to put ourselves at risk of doing a transaction with somebody who doesn't know how to perform? Uh, can you tell me from just the perspective of the title of, you know, from your level, because you are at a pretty high, a level, high level, how has the sentiment adjusted? I think it depends on the company. Okay. I still think there are some companies out there that are, are just more conservative in nature and that's okay. That's their model. I know for us and, you know, having grown up on the escrow side, especially I, I, I like to live in a world of where there's lots of color, there's nothing black and white. Right. So I think there's always things and ways that you can do things. You just have to be creative. So I think overall it, there's been a big shift. I mean, especially, you know, 38 years I've been doing it, but it still is not across the board. Wow. And I think that, you know, this, this podcast itself is one of those things that I think will help adjust and, and move the narrative along, but it's interesting. I, and, and, and really as the, as the 
market continues to evolve and as we start to see more and more more like regional housing markets instead of a national housing market which is another thing that you might want to speak to right now because that's it's a mis, it's a complete misunderstanding that people have that the US that there's a US housing market <laughs> there is no such thing as a US housing market it doesn't exist anymore there was a US housing market uh, we don't have a U.S. housing market now. We have a regional housing market. Um, what, how, how did you guys wrap your heads around that? Because it's, it's, it, it, was, it took a big shift in thinking and a real big shift in perspective. And when you guys first started seeing that, wh- what did it do for – what did it like, – because, of course, there had to have been people at your level having conversations in closed rooms thinking, what the F is going on? Right. Right. You know, what, what I love about Fidelity is I think, you know, we're the largest title insurance company, but it, you don't, we don't feel it. So they allow us on a very granular level at the local level. We know our market better than anyone else. And, you know, our corporate office is back in Jacksonville and they do not at all um, know or, or even think that they know what's really going on in all of our markets. Our market is so unique. I mean, we're not even the same as Tucson right. or as Northern Arizona. So it's very granular that we get down. Amazing. Amazing. That's really great insights, Dan. Any, any last well, and you were yeah. You were curious about, so we are expecting some growth this year. Yeah. Um, we're expecting growth in our you know, residential market, which does encompass the investor circuit. And you had asked, um, you know, how, how do you prepare for staffing that on the escrow side? Right. Yeah. That was a question I'd asked Dina, but she was like, no, 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 I'm not the right person. To ask. <laughs> because, because we, we think about it, right. Um, to give you an example, we saw, and I'm, I'm going to be really broad here uh, in saying that <laughs> it's not, it, it there's going to be outliers and whatnot, but approximately a 25% uptick in volume in the beginning of the year. And that's a lot in a short amount of time. And so, uh, you know, we have questions as well, having an operation the size of Kigli, there's like, well, how do you staff for that? Do you staff in anticipation uh, and, and, and then grow into it? Do you hold, do you, do you stretch and press your people to a point where <laughs> at that point you're like, okay, hey, um, that you're, you're, you're out, you've outgrown that suit. We gotta, we gotta get you another suit. You know, that is always a hard, I mean, that's very hard to answer, but I mean, I think for me personally, what I do, it's, it's a gut feeling, Mm. but so I, I trust my gut. And because the fact of the matter is whether it's your business or our business, there's a ramp up period for training. And so I always, I'm always recruiting and I'm always looking for talent. And I'm always, you know, especially those young college grads, I, I know who's who out there. And I, so I'm ready for when that tide turns that I can pull the, pull the and she's always meeting of people, always you know, people. there might not be a position today yeah. that's necessarily the right fit, but it doesn't mean there won't be like in the future. Right. Yeah. Um, so you take on talent and, and you hold it. Absolutely. And I'd rather build, I'd rather build on talent organically. I love that. That's, that's wonderful. Well, it makes them more loyal with you. It doesn't matter what business you're in, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It makes them more loyal. You know that they're trained the way that you want them trained. I mean, there's so many advantages to their organic growth. Well, and the average tenure of an employee at our company <laughs> has to be oh. over 15 years, oh, yes. you know. I which... don't know of another company that has that. Yeah. 
it, I mean, it's very high. Yeah, it's very, very mm -hmm. high. And what's interesting that you asked that question too, because like I had the conversation with your um, admin team late in November about what they were looking for. And, you know, expectation was, Hey guys, just so you know, we're adding to our staff in February because we're expecting an increase in volumes. If you know anybody we should talk to now, please let us know. And that was in November. Right. So, right. I mean, there you, so it's always, always forward looking. Yeah. 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 And that was yeah. even, that was yeah. just your, your ops yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I feel a little disconnected sometimes because you they're know, on it. They're, but they're on it. Yeah. And we've got some incredibly talented people, uh, part of the Keegley organization that I'm, uh, very, very proud of. And, um, I actually, we gave out our 2023 awards and the award winners are in my story. So if you guys have a chance, um, look in my stories on my oh, Instagram congratulate them. and uh, you guys can, you know, send them a DM and, and let them know that they're bad asses. Sorry. I hope I don't get kicked out of YouTube for that. There, here's a question for actually, I want, there's a couple things here. Um, uh, I, and I, this is one of the most, I think Diane, you're going to really like that. We're bringing this up because we're in an audience of wholesalers right now, mainly, um, if you send a freshly purchase, if you send a freshly signed purchase and sale agreement to a title company, um, and a few days later you want to cancel, is there anything? Is there anything opened? Um, is there anything owed to a title company for opening escrow and the title search? You know, uh, no. I'm going to no. say no. No. Right. Now, now. Now we're talking, and we should get into etiquette. Yes. I mean, because the fact of the matter is it is a hard cost for us to pull. What, do you pay? what does that cost? We it's pay. a hard cap. It's can you, can you $500. Share? Okay. So, so it's a hard cost for our for, company. For, it could for be us. more for so others. It could be more for others or less, but it's probably about in the same ballpark. So it's a hard cost. And, um, but what I, how I look at it is, you know, if something cancels, just bring the deal back to us. Right. Right. I mean, that's all. I, I actually, in my early days as a wholesaler, made uh, uh an agreement we had yeah we had conversations about this because i tracked his cancellation rate yeah. and back in, in the day early or well early on especially when i was just getting started you really don't know where your numbers need to be right and you're kind of feeling out the market you're feeling out your buyers and so you're 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 taking shots that aren't necessarily sure things and when i'm sending in a freshly signed agreement into the title company and you guys receive it you guys are opening title immediately you're pulling a title doing a title search immediately and then nine days later you receive a cancellation that's that's a loss and it doesn't matter if i do if i do 10 closes with you but then i have 10 cancellations was this what did we do anything but spin our tires all you know and so even though you, you might have you might have inched out a little profit out of that not enough to have kept everybody busy and kept things going because you're paying your people right you're still paying your escrow, off, mm -hmm. escrow officer for the closing and all the all the pieces well, you've got to pull title on a new buyer every single time yeah right so right. it's not like you can use the last one right. to carry over when you get a new buyer we pull title again so when you assign there you have to do a new title search if it's a new buyer, if there's a new buyer name, mm -hmm. okay. Like, so, so if there's like six buyer, legs, you're 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 pulling it six times. If there's no, no, okay, no, no, no. If, if we've got assignments like that going, we can. Pull yeah, it, pull but it if once. it's a full-on cancellation, <laughs> and then, and then there's an got it. Yeah, as we're okay, going okay, understood, yeah. understood. So, guys, let me let me kind of help you out with etiquette here. So. This is what Dina and I had talked about early on in, in our relationship and, and saying, look, I don't know. 
if I'm going to, what I'm going to do with this deal. I'm very likely going to wholesale it because that's what I do. And um, we might flip it because we were flipping a few properties, like fixing and flipping. So we were really just keeping the super, super good ones. But we're most likely going to sell, assign this. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send in my contract. I'm going to deposit my EMD. Always. Right away. <laughs> but I don't want you to pull title until I've assigned the deal. I don't want you to do a title search until I've assigned the deal. And then as soon as I've assigned the deal, I would send it in. And then now I know that there's a rush. Now I know you guys are kind of speeding through it and all the things. But everybody was so much happier with that situation because they were like, you know what? Now we know this is a sure thing. So even if we have to do this on a rush, it's way better for us to do that than have to cancel, 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 close, cancel, cancel, close, cancel, 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 close. Like that's not fun for anybody, right? So have the etiquette, have the conversation with your title company. This is guy, guys, this is why it's so important that you build a relationship with not only the escrow officer at your title company, but with the people behind the escrow officers, the people in the marketing, the, the people in the, you know, I actually didn't get to meet Diane for, for a few years. Um, you don't typically get to get that relationship with the higher, higher ups until, you know, I, I don't know if, if, if people get that, but um, I'm, I'm honored for it, but it's cool. But at least have the conversation with the equivalent of your escrow officer and the Dina in your market. So you need to understand what moves the needle for them. And if you can get into alignment with what's moving the needle for your title company, guess what they're going to do for you? They're going to move into alignment with what moves the needle for you. And what moves the needle for you? Hey, I'd really like to be introduced to more buyers. Could you help me with that? Well, of course we could. Hey, I would like to put on a meetup. You have an A-class property here with this incredibly big meeting room that appears that nobody uses. Would you mind if we did a meetup in your title office and you'll feed people too? Like these are the kinds of things that your title company will do because they see that you are moving into alignment into their business model and they want to move into alignment into your business model. Would you say that that is something that uh, is, is industry-wide or is that just what happens here? Are you guys just nicer in Arizona? Um, I think there's probably pockets, but one thing that you said that was very, very impactful, Jamil, yes. Yes. is it's about transparency. Yes. So I think what whatever you guys out there, I think it's being transparent. So whoever you're working with, it's just saying, hey, this, you know, or hey, this is my first deal and I really, I'm not I don't know yet. sure what yeah. I'm doing. Be transparent because then that's where you have that relationship and you guys can build it together. Now, how do you keep that conversation from finding its way to the a listing agent, for instance, because think about it this way, right? I'm brand new. I lock up a deal and I'm dealing with the first time, uh, for, first time I'm doing a deal with a listing agent. And it's maybe my first time dealing with this title company and I'm transparent. And I come in and I say, hey, I just bought this course called Astro Flipping. It's very good. And I did some thing called Agent Outreach. And I got this deal. It's a pocket listing from an agent. I think it's good. And Jamil Compton for me on one of my Tuesday calls and kind of looks like it's a good deal. So I'm like 70% sure we're going to do good on this thing, but we're not really sure yet. How comfortable will that conversation be? And should somebody wait? Or what? What's the what's the right way to handle that? I'm not saying to lie, but when do you... When do you show the transparency? When do you when do you come in and say, "All right, here's the game"? I think you have it right away. I do too. I, don't I agree. I, don't I think, think you put it in writing. 
No, agree. I think you I make think a it's call or in person, even better. Yeah. Either or you person, make or better. either you drive yourself down to the title yeah. agency or you pick up the phone and call the agent, but you don't do it in writing. Right. You make sure nobody right. CC'd on anything and you do it right away. That's how I feel you should do it. No, I agree 100%. I have those conversations with a lot of the folks that actually watch Title Talk, right? They'll call me and they'll say, hey, I'm driving for dollars. I just stumbled on a deal. I think it's a sub two. Well, I'll get on a three-way call with the escrow officer. Turns out it's not really a sub two. It's more of like a wrap um, or something else is going on there. And we'll talk to them through how to structure the deal, right? Because they don't know yet. Or sometimes they'll say, you know, I don't, I really probably should have a JV partner on this, but I don't know anybody in the community yet. Cause I'm so new. Who can you connect me to? That's going to maybe like do show me the ropes. Right. And I can cut them in on this and, and we can have those conversations. Um, and I agree with you. It's not in writing thing. It's a, it's a conversation with, you know, whoever you're working with on the sales side. And then, you know, when it's appropriate, they will loop in escrow who are, will definitely talk through the logistics on the transaction and, and point you guys in the right direction. Awesome. Awesome. Um, I think we're having some fun having here tonight. Fun here. Yeah. So a lot of good, a lot of good uh, information that I feel we're sharing today. Um, Diane, you've been in the business a minute and <laughs> she I, doesn't look like it though. She's... No, you look great, but, but, but looking at it from the perspective of the experience, right? There's so many ways to get trapped in a deal, like, like trapped in a deal and you're uh, you could get trapped in a deal where you lose your earnest money. You could get trapped in a deal where you're in litigation or mediation for your earnest money. You can get trapped in a deal where you could get sued for specific performance. You could be, um, you, but you could also, there's like, for instance, one of the tricks I learned was um, when I write my contracts, if I write cash slash hard money, even though I have a 10 day inspection, Three days before close, I can get a loan denial letter from my hard money lender and I can still get my EMD back, which is something a lot of people don't know. And you we've can, never talked about that on Title Talk, actually. That on Title Talk. That is like, that was one of my ninja tricks from like, like, and this guy, I'm, t I'm telling you, this was, this was, this is like secret ninja trick. But you had to have written on your contract cash, cash or hard, hard money. money. So if, if you, you only wrote cash, that wasn't going to work. It would never work. Are you doing proof of funds and a letter from the hard money lender? It would have to be. It would have right. to be a loan, would, you, yeah. a loan denial letter from the hard money lender denying the loan for whatever purpose that would then cancel out the escrow. Um, but you, we but we wouldn't show proof of funds on those. We would just show them from like the, when the you're letter. submitting yeah, the, the contract to get from, it at the, the beginning. Would come from the hard money lender in the first. So place. you're not showing them a bank balance. Got so it. he's asking, are you showing them a bank balance and as well as a, a no, letter when from you, when you when you're using a private money lender or a hard money lender? They're always providing the proof of funds. Right. So right. it's it says cash, but really it's cash slash hard money. Hard money. Hard private money. Do you have any? Because that's that's one of my favorite ninja tricks that. Or the 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 Binzer the Binzer extension. Okay, so guys, um, I'm going to teach you guys another one today, which is you're getting all kinds of good stuff on Title yeah, Talk yeah, today. One, Everybody's watching on Friday night. Okay, so you're on day nine of day nine of your inspection, and you've got a buyer who's like, I want it, I'm going to take it, but I can't get earnest money in. Now again, this is assuming that. You've had the conversation with your title company and they haven't done a title search and you haven't put them in a bad spot. Okay. That everybody is kind of 
in the know with you and they know what's going on, right? So what you can do is you can send what's called a binzer, which is the buyer inspector um, notice response. Yeah. Buyer inspection notice notice response. Notice right? seller's response. Seller's response. Yes. Notice seller's response. Right. Binzer. So now if you ask for an egregious reduction on the binzer, there's one of two things that happen. Okay. Well, define egregious. Well, I mean, to where it was so <laughs> big. That if you got it, there'd be you'd be like, there's no way I wouldn't just buy this myself right now because so you're asking for like thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollar price reduction. Yeah, you're not like saying. A massive price I mean, you're reduction. not saying fix the roof. You're saying we're gonna buy a new roof. Yeah, and yeah, I'm saying like, hey, do it, do it, seventy five thousand dollar price drop, or we're gonna cancel. Now, here's what's gonna happen. Very likely, they're going to respond to you that same night saying uh, rejected. But you now have five more days to respond to the rejection. Five more days. In Arizona. In Arizona. Guys, this is in Arizona. So read your contracts. Read your contracts in other states. But it is, I have, I don't know, I would say that I have done at least 50 deals where I use the extra five days to get my buyer plugged in, get the EMD in, get everything in. And then I'll come back and say, it's okay, we don't need, but then now I have a now I have more negotiation, right? Because I asked for seven, I anchored at 75. Now that I've got my buyer in at my original price, now I can be like, well, how about 30? Yeah. And, and then they're like, and now the and now the problem is is the seller is saying, geez, so all these things have been uncovered in my property that I didn't even know about. And now I'm gonna have to disclose them to every future buyer. So if you can negotiate this number from 70 to 50, I'll take it. And in that case, are you doing an and or a signee on the original contract in order to slip somebody new in? Uh, I would very likely double escrow that or do transactional funding okay. on that. And then just, I would actually would not even double that. I would close AB yes. with transactional funding. I'd wait three days, close BC. Okay. Because I think that would make me feel the most confident and comfortable in that kind of a situation because I would never want there to be a simultaneous close and disclosure sheets needing to be signed for pass-through funding in a situation where I not only bought an extra five days, but then renegotiated an extra 50 grand off at my original sale price, which now turns what my deal, which turns a deal, which was going to be like a cancellation into a grand slam. Well, and the difference is you're talking about somebody who's getting like super greedy versus somebody who's actually just trying to get a deal done that's Correct. equitable, Correct. right? Like there's yeah, a, so I, there is a I, difference. I only use these I only use these tactics in in specific situations in specific this is why guys it's so important to get into your title officer's office and read read the contract and understand what everything means. Because once I understood that there's five days extra on the response, I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is the this is the craziest thing that I've ever seen in my life." And well, and, and you so just just so you guys know, a, a typical escrow officer in our operation, you know, they'll close a hundred deals a month. Yeah. So just think of how many different contracts they're seeing, how many different scenarios they're seeing that end up in litigation that end up. So they are a wealth of information for everyone. I yes. mean, they, they know how to write a contract mm -hmm. and how to keep everyone 
out of trouble. Yep. Yep. Uh, I I feel like we had like one of the most like fascinating conversations today. We got to meet Diane from the, I would say the the ivory tower of fidelity. (laughs) She, Uh, was that, was that, that is so not her, by the way, that is so not her. (laughs) Um, we are we are going to now get into our um, vision, vision boards. boards. And before we before we like sign off, because we're going to be done here in about six minutes, I want I want to uh, set some intentions, and I want to I want to present our word for the year or our word for our board. Right. So for for me, I personally had lots of challenges uh, that I overcame over the year that I found were a cause of of massive imbalance in my life massive imbalance in my life in many ways and so the one thing that i'm really looking for in my life right now is balance that's my word for 2024 2025 2026 20 till all the things until i'm balanced that's my (laughs) word okay that's my word bobby i think he's gonna have to start doing yoga with you (laughs) not on airport floors because that's disgusting yeah yeah please What's the question? Hi. Hi. Hi there. Um, I've had some questions in the chat. Um, so I'm um, right now, I've actually signed a purchase contract today from a wholesaler. Um, and um, he already opened up escrow with the title company, but it's a title company I had a very bad experience with. Um, and I was wondering, is there anything I can do about that? Um, and then also just how do I vet like a title company, especially when I'm investing from long distance? I, both great questions. Where, where really are you working? Questions. I'm in, a, I, I invest in Ohio in the Cleveland area. Um, and I'm in California in the San Francisco Bay area. Okay. So you're doing deals in Cleveland. Yes. Okay. Um, so here, this is, this is where your relationship with your wholesaler, it becomes really important. Because you want, as a buyer, to educate you, the wholesaler that you're working with on, on a good title company to work with. Like if, you, if you had a bad experience with this title company, you want to educate that, that wholesaler, hey, open title at this other company. Because, And I'm sure that there's a Fidelity office in Ohio that you could get referred to that could be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would, I would have the conversation now because they have already open title there, here's some risks that you're running and moving it okay they've got to cancel everything including okay. the original purchase contract so if a higher offer came in behind that wholesaler's offer which typically happens on investment properties okay. and sellers sometimes are like waiting for that opportunity to take a better deal and you then ask for this title transfer the title to, to be moved to another office you're risking losing that deal because of the bad experience that you're you're making right. uh, the 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 entire escrow move forward. With that, would you that's and, true, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. And and you know, it may just even be the individual. If you had a bad experience at a title company, it could just be one individual and there may be a hundred others and maybe find out, hey, are you equipped to handle a wholesale transaction okay. and get the right person. And is this the first transaction that you've done with this other person that that you're with the, the deal with? with the yeah. wholesaler yes it's my it would be my first transaction with this particular wholesaler and you know like it was interesting so um as soon as we signed the purchase agreement um like he said okay can you um you know wire the emd i'm going to send you wiring instructions i said wait a minute i've never why i've never taken the instructions from 
the wholesaler. It always comes from the title company. Yeah, that's, that seems really fishy. That's a red flag. Yeah. Super okay, red I wanted flag. to confirm that because I was like, and, that's a red flag. and yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. And so, and I did call the um, the the title the title officer uh, because I, you know, like I have worked with him before, and I was kind of like, hey, I'm like remember me we had a not so good experience and you know and i i have you know i just signed the purchase agreement for this property and he confirmed that it was um the title was open there at his office um and i said is everything going to go right this time because and that's my thing is like what can i even do to make sure things go well um because uh last time well, this kind of long story short, he told me that he was the, you know, the title escrow officer, everything was going with him. It turned out it was going through a totally different company and he wasn't even involved in it. That all sounds really fishy. Oh, so weird. And like you're reselling title. Yeah. Like, and, and why your instructions should be sent directly from title in encrypted form. And, and exactly. they will only send wire instructions one time. So and usually and they will call, call to verify. To verify. To send the wire too. That's another thing that happens all the time. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, it, I'm, yeah. And, and I will just tell you a best practice here because th this is a very common question um, when it comes to a new relationship with, you know, right. somebody that you're doing wholesale transactions with. So sometimes they'll, they'll tell them, hey, by the way, I've had a really, you know, not so great experience with this title company. We'll try your way once, but if it doesn't go as planned okay. for all future deals, can we please? agree mutually to go um this other direction and then typically it's a really easy move all the business um to someplace that you guys mutually trust together but it, it is a little bit difficult the first time okay all right all right yeah good luck been, girl well, thank you so much what's your word for 24 <laughs> yeah what's your one word this year um my word i do i do have i wrote it down everything i'm like which one was it uh well i wrote two patience and persistence beautiful Ooh. great to meet you much great love you and thank you for tuning thank in and, and, and we'll see you again uh okay so i i gave my word diane empower mm. we've got to add their yeah. words to the tree mom we got to add their words to the tree tonight yeah my word this year is warrior yeah, As and it are. means a lot of different things for me, so I'm excited. I'm picking this mic up. Okay, so my word is non-negotiable. That's two words. Well, it's no, a, it's, it's, a it's a hyphenated word. Okay. Non, because I feel like I'm constantly negotiating what I'm supposed to be doing or how I'm supposed to, or what I'm feeling or, and I'm constantly negotiating so that I'm making everybody else in the room happy. Does that make you feel compromising like, Com of your yeah, values? Constantly and, being yeah, compromised. Yeah. So I'm saying I'm this is non-negotiable. Sorry. Non-negotiable. This is my non-negotiable. Hmm. Take it or leave it. I love it. I love it. You got to love in the chat for that. Hey, by the way, love. you're surrounded by amazing women tonight. Let's talk about that for a second. You know, Jamil has always been, been surrounded by amazing women. I, I have been. Starting from his mom. Yep. Starting from his, like, birth yep. till my wife, his wife, you. his his daughters, yep. his my niece, girls. his, like, he's everybody. always been surrounded by beautiful, strong, strong, strong women, competent, like, wonderful, caring yep. women. Yep. And, uh, and, and, and I think it's because I was around you guys and raised, I, I feel I was, I was, I was raised by my, my sister. We were Latsky kids. Right. So, uh, mom, mom and dad worked 12 hour days. And so, you know, having uh, a sister like Rahima to be able to have, you know, taken care of me all, all those years 
made I think made me um, somewhat of a better guy, but I've always got more to learn and 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 farther to go. Well, you guys, if you're watching this and you've got a one word for 2024, drop it in the chat. We want to we want to hear it. We want to lift them up. We want to encourage clarity, you. Nice. I like that. A one word will change your life. I'm a firm believer. My mom turned me on to this. I don't know how many years, a dozen or so. Uh, her word this year is certainty. Certainty. Oh, beautiful. Love that. Wonderful. That. <laughs> certainty certainty uh yes. we've got exposure from robert Ooh. You do that boy um we've got um mindset from latonya anything else guys any other words we want to put in here before we sign off consistency i love it linda we hope you guys are having Empower. fun with us on the first title talk of 2024 we are excited to are excited. bring you a lot of really great content this year. And if there's anything you guys want to chat about, any topics you guys want us to explore, any markets that we should dive into for you, definitely let us know. Elevation. And yes, if you guys, and one last plug for anybody doing business in Arizona, I would highly recommend you reach out to uh, um, TitleCock at FNF.com. Send an email, say, I'm doing business. Wherever you're doing business, email titletalk at fnf.com and let us know where you're doing business. If there's a relationship that Dina can make for you, she will always make it. But especially if you are doing business in Arizona, we want to bring your business to uh, the incredible team that we've been working with. And so email titletalk at fnf.com. Until the next episode. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We out.